again i'd like to welcome you to progressive news network and uh, poets of the east i'm your host rick spizak and uh, misha will be with us uh, very soon uh, once again we've got an amazing show for you poets from the east and uh, the east is everywhere poets although we may have been born on one soil or another inside of one border or another we are poets of the planet and east is wherever the bright sun shines off a poet so here i want to start tonight's show with uh, our first poet a polish poet anna maria stepien she's an amazing poet who's not only a poet in her own right but she also works to bring other poets together and is just an amazing voice and i know you'll enjoy it as i do so in just a moment here we'll have miss anna with you here we go stempien okay mm-hmm. good good nice to meet you anna i'm so happy you could join us here for uh, poets of the east uh Poets of the East is an attempt to bring poets together from across the globe to hear different voices sharing their thoughts, their 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 dreams, their poems. And I always start out by saying, when did you first start writing? In November, or not, in October, it was in October, only one year passed. Huh? Ah. Uh, October. Um, well, now, you're in the house <laughs> around. Tell me, did you do you draw? Do you play music? Uh, do you enjoy any other art forms? 
I'm rather amateur photographer. So oh, photographer. No, okay. I'm not dancing. I'm I'm dancing with a broom at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, well put. Well put. In the kitchen. Yes, yes, well put. To the music, well to the radio. And no, I, for, <sighs> if I want to relax sometimes, I draw something. Well, simple flowers, <laughs> like a kid. But my brother has the talent for drawing for faces, some, something like this. We both have this talent for writing, but he also loves, not loves, but uh, has talent for Drawing, my How brother. Nice. How nice. Um, when you write, uh, do you... There, there are two schools of thought. One is you need to write every day whatever, whether you show it to anybody or not. And the other no, school no, is... That's not me. <laughs> you wait for inspiration and then you write. So I gather that's more like you. Yeah. The second. I'm yeah. waiting for the inspiration to oh, come. Good, good. Do you, do you like to write about any particular subject? Do you like to write about the, the world, the outdoors, about people, about relationships? What what do you like to write about? Whatever about my feelings, what I feel in a particular moment. So my poems are very personal and the nature inspires me. I am Love, I am nature lover, <laughs> and sometimes about love, about feelings, about sadness. Sometimes, and uh, there are also human mm, topics concerning human problems. <laughs> sure. Problems in sure. our world because I'm sensitive to what happens to other people, uh, poor, disabled. Um, I try to convince through writing that we should help such things. But mainly about... Um, my poems are mainly very personal, and uh, all those who read my poems say that uh, whole me is in, these poems. In, in those poems. They can find me. They are different. Maybe they are not very... Uh, complicated. Uh, there are no many metaphors or something like that. Sometimes I try using metaphors, uh, more views, <laughs> more drawing in the pictures, but in this uh, poems, but uh, they are rather simple. Just feelings. Very nice. And, uh, Very nice. There. The poems I've heard of yours are, are absolutely wonderful. And we've been talking for several minutes now, and we haven't heard a poem yet. Please, would you share one of your poems with us? One of my poems. My One of my first poems was written to my mom. And I have it here. Sometimes I, I, I start and write in English, sometimes in Polish. This was written in Polish, and I, I managed to translate it into English with rhymes. The poem dedicated to my mom. Mamo, 
moja kochana. In Polish or in English? Both, both. Mamo, moja kochana. Miłość do książek słowa pisanego również dzięki Tobie. Spojrzenie na rzeczywistość. Czasem przymrużeniem oka, czasem z melancholią, jak Ciebie. Pierwsze mówienie niezaprzeczenie, Twoja też sprawka. I miłość do otwartych przestrzeni, błękitów zieleni, jak w lesie dojrzałych, kochałaś świat cały. Twoja Ania. My dear darling mom, the love of books and the written words also thanks to you, the view of reality, sometimes with a knowing wink, sometimes with melancholy like you. Speaking and rhyming, there's no denying you're doing too. In a lap of open spaces, the azure, the green places, buried in the woods, fully ripe, the word entire, so insane you love. Your Anya. Very nice. Very nice. It has a nice light touch to it. Uh, very, I, I, I see a very happy relationship there. That that's so nice. So nice. Um, you've you've been involved with these wonderful organizations bringing poets together. I think that's so wonderful. You know, uh, so many people in this world don't even take time for themselves, much less others. And you're one of those wonderful people that bring bring people together, uh, and especially about the writing arts. Uh, poetry has such a wonderful place in this funny world. Uh, so many people worry about money or power, and, and yet some of us take our time to, to, to share words to share thoughts, to share those those deep moments uh, that that most of the world just walks right by. So I, I think it's lovely that you take time from your life to bring poets together. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you for this nice words. And I think that my life became more interesting thanks to that, thanks to cooperation with different people you were just involved with a poet in Bangladesh, bringing poets together from across the globe for for uh, uh, poetry day. How how amazing! How did you get involved in that? That is a funny story. Good. Because in, in September, in September, when I uh, maybe you know Alicia Kuberska yeah. in Poland. Uh, very good poetess and active person um, with many achievements. She called me that there is some something we will not talk about. And I was then cycling across my village, cycling from one student to the other <laughs> to teach English. And this is how it started because I, I, she told me about this uh, poetry festival in Bangladesh organized by Dr. Marco Kuzaman from the University of Odaka. And then six poets, poets from Poland participated in the festival. And I got involved. Uh, I helped. Uh, and 
it seems that I would be a good person to cooperate, uh, to contact with different people, because I, I knew many people, many poets and writers from around the world, as I was. Uh, uh, I am also an editor in uh, Taipas Literary Magazine uh, in Romania. It is on Romania, but also in Italy. How oh, nice! How oh, nice! The founder lives in Italy now, Lenus Lungo. So you had all these contacts. So you reached out to poets from across the globe. You know, it, it's funny. On the one hand, people seem to be so divided, but on the other hand, there are these wonderful people bringing us together. Uh, I, I, I hope, I hope you appreciate yourself that you work to bring people together. I think that's just wonderful in this world. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for appreciating me. But I always, I'm always saying I'm a humble poet, and I'm just a beginner and novice, and novice writer poet. I not only write poems, but also I try uh, writing anecdotes, uh, memoirs, something like that. Wonderful. I like to work with words. words. Where are you located in Poland? In the north, the south, the east, the west? Southeast. Southeast. Okay. Would you would you tell us another one of your poems? And I don't know my poems. Huh. I'm looking. Okay. Winter poem or not? No. I'm browsing my blog because I run a blog. Oh, good. Good. Maybe a poem which is a call to action, a call to helping people, a helpful hand. A helpful hand. And this is uh, also a funny story because it was written for some festival in India and I didn't have much time. I am multitasking all the time. <laughs> anyway, I was, uh, I was going by bus in the nearby city from a doctor maybe, from a dentist, I don't know. And I had, had 20 minutes on the bus to write this poem in English, right away in English. <laughs> <laughs> and then I correct it a little. A helpful hand. Open your eyes and don't stay blind. The world needs your helpful hand. So much poverty, so much pain. Among the happy ones, so much misery. You have your problems only, you say. But egoist life is not the way. Why should I care about the other when I am not his or her brother? when others don't support me. Well, what can I say to you today? Be generous, be helpful, don't think of reward. You will win the altered world, your award. You, you may create a better place to live in peace, eternal harmony. So be the spark that makes the difference humanity wishes for, even if the difference means hope restored, for only one ill, weak, disabled, or hungry human being. Sandomiesz, the 18th of December, 2020. And the inspiration was my friend, who is a disabled in, in this city, in this town. And today he, call, he called me, 
He asked me for help because he needs money constantly to start walking. And he said, she said, her name is also Anna. Maybe you will make some action for me for money because he's really disabled since uh, a person with a disability, as we say today, uh, since she was born. So many problems. And this was the inspiration. I was in the town, I was thinking about Anna. I had to write a poem, <laughs> a human topic, humanity. Well, let me read a short poem for you, okay? Mm -hmm. It's called A Planetary Poet. You are already a planetary poet, a poet circling the sun, a poet who shines on a spinning solar system, riding through a spinning galaxy, that rapidly approaches its embrace with the Andromeda galaxy. Are you not already an infinite poet deep, deep in the flow and flux of infinite space? Thank you. You are Anna Marie, a infinite planetary poet. Do you have one more you could read for us? Of course. I have many poems. Over 100, I think. Well, That's good right. for you. Good well, for though, you. If I wrote every day, it would be one half, one year and a half, it would be over <laughs> 300. Uh, uh, around 500, yes. But I think that I have I must look for some poem. I would like to read this poem, which Panikuri translated into Hindi. I would like to read it in English. Oh, yeah, I have it. Prescription. In English, prescription. Huh. You say both. I, I read, now I remember, I read the poem to my mom about it only in English. Prescription. You will find nobody on the earth, I guess, whose paths are smooth, summer and winter, since time immemorial. It's always been like that, worries and fears, or something we mull over. No matter small or big we are, her life test awaits us day in, day out. And there is no one in on this earth who is about everything left that fate Fate brings them as a gift, ups and downs, endless adventures, the good and bad ones. And in addition, it will sometimes give a suck, like a rainbow, multicolored, full of beautiful, of happiness dreams. When you realize this fact, then a prescription for your ills you found how to cope even when Things don't want to go your way, when for all, things go wrong, seeing what's happening around. So, lift up your heart, your chest ahead, sitting or standing, roll your sleeves up to work, harness your hands and mind, and don't think you are alone. So probably it's better as a duo, when the second pair of hands, when two heads to work for a brighter tomorrow, 
will get with enthusiasm straight away. In your dreams, magic power belief, for you yourself know it best. What dances in your soul? What plays in it? Or maybe you prefer when I tell you this? The 12th of December. The 12th of December 2020. Very nice. Very nice. I would like to offer you one more, okay? Yes. Okay, this is called When Poets Write. If they're consecrated, sure. And wandered lonely on the coat door, we will seize upon in marriage rhymers, rhythmics, and free verse ne'er miscarriage. Breeding in among such ones, we sure bring great beams of sun, naked playthings, poets wander, well known their gamete shared, not squandered. In some charming poetic lair, oh, you should have seen the funs we had there. Shedding trappings, costumes, masks, will all this gifting really last? No end, riding horses, zebras, bikes, all to chase the metaphoric blended spike. You've gotten more than believed or bargained like the overworked and half-blinded surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> you write interesting poems. Thank <laughs> you. Too. Thank you. I like to be hilarious also in my poems. <laughs> Not very serious sometimes. <laughs> well, the world's serious enough. And yeah. uh, I believe that if we can bring a smile to someone, that's, a, that's an important gift. Do you want to read one more? One more. Winter lullaby, maybe winter lullaby. Sounds wonderful. Winter lullaby. Zimowa kowitanka. Polish English. Winter lullaby. In solitude, I hear my thoughts. The wintry wind, my body rocks. The dance of the wind, the silence fills. But the thoughts of mind. Mine aren't drawn out by a tango with a tree. Tank and thought, and over the dashing time, pondering today again I dream, I compose, smiling at sweet memories. Snowflakes keep it company, snowflakes mar the sky with white. It's so sublime, so peaceful too. Why then does sadness keep haunting me, not comprehending it myself? Deep in my soul, I feel truly sad. In solitude, I hear my thoughts. The dancing wind, my body rocks. Cold permits my flesh and soul, and nostalgia fills me to the brim. Let it happen. Let it come true. All that this winter the sorceress, the white lady, in its frost, delicious for us has. It will soon go far away. Warm and gorgeous will come the day. And the spring young will return here, bringing joy, and I will not at all feel the lack of the winter's gift to us. Lost. Gift to us. January 2021. 19th of January. Thank Very you. nice. Very nice. My dear, this has been such a delightful visit. Uh, I hope spring blesses your days. 
the cold, cold of winter fades. Uh, I wish you sunny, sunny days. Thanks so much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Anna Maria Stepien. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for the invitation. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was Anna Maria, a marvelous young poet. And now I have been joined by my good friend and brother, Misha Danduta. Misha, welcome, sir. Good evening, and thank you very much for helping technically because I didn't, I wouldn't know what to, what to do without, without your help. I was, I was at the board of a heart attack. But oh, let's God. Thanks, God. It, 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 uh, we managed to, and I'm uh, I'm here. Uh, nevertheless, I think the very uh, the wonderful poetry uh, of uh, Anna Maria uh, somehow calmed things down and uh, contributed to the uh, uh, refining of the classical balance of the of the poet, of a generous poetess, uh, an excellent organizer of festival and. Uh, uh, and uh, literary organizations, organizer also, a great uh, editor, a very good translator, and a very sensitive and imaginative poetess. Really, you are you are very right, a very good uh, a very good guest for uh, a guest in our uh, in our uh, in our series. Uh, and it is also very interesting her attraction towards the Eastern poetry. She really is a poet of the East. She really is a poet, discovering poets of the East um, and being able to make a lot of contacts between people helping to spread poetry, helping people to find out that other people are writing great poems on other meridians and and, uh, parallels. And if the time allows us, and if you allow me to, I would like uh, to try to offer a little surprise to Anna Maria. Please, please do. Prescription in Romanian. The po- one of the poems you read. Nu vei găsi pe nimeni pe acest bătrân pământ cu drumul veșnic neted de iarnă sau de vară. Așa a fost de apururi. La fel as toate sunt angoase, temeri, gânduri, ce ne preocupară, ori mari, ori mici de suntem, cu vechiul său avânt, ca un examen zilnic, ne așteaptă viața afară. Pe acest pământ nu e nimeni să fie încântat, și se întâmplă, destinul să-și simtă ca un cazou ciudat, și aventuri bizarte, bune ca și rele, așa cum sunt mereu, va dată prin câte ți-au fost scrise, un sac plin de culoare, cum un curcubeu, și plin de fericire, de frumuseți, de vise. Realizeze acestea, rețeta ai găsit. Spre ți-o stoi durerea, iar bolii să-i dai leac, vei ști de nevoie și pasul potrivit, când lucrul tot îți pare și trist și prea sărac, când tot ce ți se întâmplă îți pare a merge rău și că se pierde toată nădejdea în jurul tău. Deci capul sus și în suflet sperante noi să aduni, Deci s-au stăit până aici, plecă-ți mâneca, gândește-te că în jurul mai sunt și oameni buni, iar mâna, ca și mintea, învață le-a lucra, căci când muncești, mai bine-i oricând îndoi să fii, să-ți spui, nu, nu sunt singur, să te corvinci, deși 
un suflet lângă tine, priviri fermegătoare, mai lăs ne crezi că mâine va fi mai bine. Așa să fie oare, crezând în vis, în forța ai vrăjită, crezi în tine. ce e bine pentru tine? Doar tu știi cel mai bine. Ce dansuri porți în suflet, eu jocului te Și auzi, îți place. Să mă opresc? Nu? Sau... Ladies and gentlemen, prescription by Ana Maria Stepieni in Romanian translation. Thank so, you so Anna, much. Dear, How thoughtful. I hope you are, we are listening to this, dear Anna, and uh, now this poem is translated not only in Hindi. How nice. What a fine tribute. Thank you so much, Misha. You're, you're a generous man, a fine poet, and uh, a sensitive artist in the best sense of the word. And speaking Thank of sensitive very much. artists, I appreciate this. Thanks. You're Thanks very welcome, brother. Okay. Coming up next. Oh. Go ahead. So, I, I, that's what I, I was about to say. Uh, now maybe it's the time for our next guest. Absolutely. Mr. Dominic Windrum, uh, a fine poet. Uh, a poet who brings a, a real strong spiritual, religious sense to his work, uh, a man who cares deeply about his world, his culture, his church, and uh, just a poet of exceptional humanity. And in the same time, a creator of really strong, a really strong imagery. Uh, strongly and complexly inspired by the religion. In his case, it happens that religion is a real uh, inspirational source. It is a very interesting poet. Okay. And without any further ado, let us bring on Mr. Dominic Windrum. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome a wonderful poet a poet of great depth and eloquence, Mr. Dominic Windrum. Dominic, welcome. Hi, Rick. Nice to, nice to speak to you again. We've had so many wonderful chats in the past. Uh, I want to catch up a little bit. So, Dominic, have you been able to teach, uh, continue to teach a, a remote, I'm assuming? Yes, I've been teaching uh, via Zoom since the summer, actually. Since That's last summer. Amazing, amazing. Um, we... We all know what uh, teaching via Zoom is like. Uh, uh, some people find it, you know, quite engaging. Uh, other people find it off-putting. Uh, but instructors, people like us, educators, we, we don't have any choice. We just have to do, all right, what's next? We'll do that. Okay, fine. <laughs> Teach remote? Okay. Have a completely different relationship with your, with your students? I guess we'll adapt, right? W what, what choice do we have? Yeah, exactly. And uh, my, my friend, a, a lot of poets that I've been talking to have found the COVID times uh, very, very helpful creatively. They've given us time to reflect. They've given us more time to read and presumably more time to write. Have you, have you found this a productive period writing-wise? Uh, I found it incredibly productive, actually, Rick. It's been, it suited me down to the ground. <laughs> well, um, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. You, you write so eloquently, my brother, and, and you address so many wonderful topics. 
And and of course, you know, we I can't talk to any of my friends in Britain without asking this combination, you know, we were worried enough about what Brexit would do. Now Brexit plus COVID and maybe COVID two or something. How how are things how are things going for you? Uh well in England it's um they haven't really dealt with it very well. I mean, they, they get, they've got about 27 million people who've had the vaccines, but it still doesn't seem to have gone, gone down in certain um, urban areas, especially. Um, they're on about a third wave now, so uh-huh. the schools are back. The schools went back a couple of weeks ago, but there's a big debate about whether they've gone back too early and maybe they should have stayed off longer, because last time the schools and universities went back in September, it soared. So it seems like Boris, Boris just seems to be bumbling his way through it, really, and the in the government, the Conservative government. Yeah, um, I know that uh, <laughs> too often the political follies, uh, what happens in the press versus what happens in governing circles, uh, they seem to be disconnected. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, uh, we all, many of us, are concerned about the fact that uh, many progressive leaders have have gotten um, short shrift from from the uh, our friends in the press. Um, I, I know you're real concerned about uh, Mr. Corbyn and how he's been treated. Um, yeah, ha- has that improved any? Uh, have the attacks lessened a little bit, or or is he still uh, suffering? Uh, great well, wrong. The thing, the thing with Jeremy Corbyn is after he was defeated in um, the December elections last year, he was replaced by Keir Starmer. He's been replaced over a year ago. Um, and the new leader is very much of the Blair um, the Blair persuasion, shall we say. The <laughs> You're a generous but man. Really, there is, uh, to me, it's, uh, and I think it's true in America, so I don't think it's much, it's like a vote between Tweedledum and Tweedledee. Now, yeah. uh, th- nobody reflected my views. Like right. Jeremy, I waited 24 years for somebody like Jeremy Corbyn to come out, and the press just absolutely destroyed him. You know, and it was a good, it was a progressive political movement, which was, would have been the first change from neoliberalism in 40 years, so... Believe me, we we have very much the same situation. Uh, Many of us, the progressives, can say, uh, okay, he's not Trump. (laughs) But that, in in my opinion, is a very low bar. A a very, very low bar. And, uh, you know, we just had this uh, incredible uh, uh, comment from, from the administration right now. Again, he's not Trump. So, you know, that's all to the good. But, uh, you know, they just uh, furloughed a lot of staffers who who've been uh, who who had openly admitted to a smoking pot. But many of us are aware that uh, pot has uh, finally begun to be reckoned for what it is, a, a mild stimulant, certainly nothing that has uh, long term issues or problems. And. Uh, and they just furloughed a bunch of staff who who admitted smoking pot. Uh, certainly not anything but a you know no progressive position there at all. So uh, those who are worried that uh, Mr. Biden is going to be a socialist, uh, they they can put those fears aside. That's for sure. And uh, yes. huh, 
you know, I, I always figure that uh, somebody who doesn't recognize the need for universal health care and, uh, and a, an end to this onerous student debt, uh, that you can't call him any kind of progressive. But as they say, he's not Trump. So there's that. Uh, <laughs> um, and and uh, the issues with Brexit and supplies, uh, uh, that's, that's working itself out, I hope. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, th th there's no problems with that. It, see, there's, there's problems on both sides because although I didn't vote for Brexit, I voted to stay in the European Union. There is problems with the European Union. Um, and now what annoyed me a lot actually was I, I, I thought it was a democratic, it, it was a, obviously it was a referendum, it was a democratic decision to come out. And a lot of people who wanted to stay and can't accept that, you know. I, I go with a democratic decision regardless. Yeah. Well, okay. Enough politics there. Let's yeah. let's okay. talk about writing. Um, yeah. Have you been addressing more humane issues, uh, personal issues, or you've been addressing social issues, or or a wonderful mix of of the whole range of things? Well, because I've had a lot of time um, to contemplate over this period, I've been doing courses, and I recently did one on uh, from the University of Derby on nature connectedness. I thought that was a really interesting course, actually. And it inspired me to write a poem. Well, my friend, we've, we've talked for minutes now, and yeah. uh, it's, it's time for us to hear one of Mr. Dominic Windrum's wonderful poems. Sir, the okay. floor is yours. Okay, thank you. It's called The Deep Need for Nature Connectedness. Or we plan precise words on pure white pages whilst we uproot the wise teachings of earth and lose the vitality of creation. We cling to hardened concepts whose only worth is to cruelly conquer more territory and divest nature of her enchanted voice. Now ancestral knowledge is but a lost dream. The vintage days of gold and green are destroyed. Lovely, lovely. Ah, uh, my friend, you have you have a lovely way, a lovely way. Um, please read another, uh, read a few. My goodness, this is uh, this is right, a this delight. Is another yeah, it's just another short one before I get into the long one. <laughs> sure. Um, I don't know if you saw the protests in um, in England over the weekend. There was um, police cars set on fire in uh, Bristol. Because of, uh, well, ironically, it was over uh, a protest about called Kill the Bill, right. which gives the police more power to deal with non-violent protests. So people came out non-violently initially, right. and then it got violent. Um, they're just worried about it becoming a police state, basically. Sure. But I'm not. Um, I'm probably not so, so circumspect as here. Yeah non-violent protesters. But anyway, here, it's reflections on recent protests. Or the powers that be would like to bury us all, but it's springtime and we're potent seeds. But a thousand blazing flowers of fury bloom. Dream once more, let new forms of living breed. Soon it will be the summer of reckoning when corrupt old orders will be swept away. For we all want to see a marked change in things. We inspired poets are counting down the days. Lovely, lovely. You know, one of the uh, curious benefits of this COVID time 
has been a, a return of wildlife, a, a lessening yeah, of yeah. pollution. And I'm sure that's touched you just as it's touched so many. Yeah, I've been noticing the, obviously we get really good seasons in England, and I've been noticing a lot of nature that I ordinarily wouldn't have noticed. Um, yeah, it's been good good to reflect on and to, to write about, yeah. Would you uh, like to read another, good friend? Yeah, sure. Um, this is a poem which will be published in the Northern Cross. It's a Catholic uh, magazine serving the diocese of, um, of the Northeast. Um, and it's called Easter Week, 2021. This week, eternity descends from wounded skies and crashes like lightning into our humdrum lives. We are required to decipher seemingly grim and obscure symbols, hymns and signs, which indeed in our glazed modern eyes belong to some other time. Yet transfiguration of potent bread and wine into flesh and blood provides rich meaning throughout each slow century and makes sense of grief and doubt. New notions arise from ancient ceremonies. This age still yearns to address deeply human needs. Easter is a time torn between the dark and light of being in an, in an estranged world. Yet blossoms white and pink emerge in spring after winter's harsh rain. Their Christ-like beauty in our memories remains. Easter is a time for renewal and reflection, from cold crucifixion to warm resurrection. While this solemn week speaks of profound human pain and life's redemption like the healing April rain. Lovely. Lovely. Thank you. You you bring a spirituality and a, a, a sense of... Uh, I, I would think... I, I was raised Catholic myself, so I, I have some sense of um, that, that beautiful eternity that, uh, that's described so eloquently in the Catholic uh, theology. Uh, it's it's beautiful what you, you what you do, sir. Thank you so much. And uh, I know you have a, you have a good ready wit. Uh, do you have a, a light-hearted piece to share as well? Hello. Yes, yes. Go ahead. There was a, a bit of an interruption, I guess, with the technology. But please go ahead. Okay. So this is quite a long one. It's called In the Presence of Spring. Ah, lovely. Flashing pink. Yeah. In the Presence of Spring. Flashing pink splashes, budding promises. The hard, wintry heart is surely softened, and present troubles are briefly halted. Even in old bones, the primal piss is stirred, and a deeper purpose is rekindled. Fresh petals strewn across the dew-stained lawn, the trees flourish with rose and milk blossoms. Precious purple stars of tulips unfold. A spirit pure and joyous fills the soul. Where time lets us be in warm, winsome ways. Where love is a dove newly inspired. The hour of the lamb and the leveret. The hour of hyacinth's ascension. Sweet scents whisper their secrets in the air. Like a hallowed ritual now so rare. Or the colours, the textures, the magic the bright lyrical sunburst of surprise, the sheer ecstasy of grand design, a hint of Eden's bloom before the fall. 
the lingering presence of gold-tinged bliss, miracles of forgotten symphonies, resurrected in radiant repartee. Twinkling birdsong buttresses the dawn, laying claim of our consciousness. Lush lexicons of nursery lullabies compri comprise this season's murmured choir to add a sprinkle of fairy dust so that forgotten memories are revived. I hear, I sense its subtle rhythms and its elegant, elegant ornamental rhymes. It's a sanctuary from emptiness, it's, re it's redemption from spectral kingdoms. My April dreaming is bold and boundless. I pray for pellucid light to pour through the cracks in our fragile empires, to silence the rebirth of bigotry, forge from pungent tribal orthodoxies and coarse patriarchal hierarchies. In febrile visions, I select symbols from the insistent turning of the air. The cuckoo's first plaintive call is my guide. It points me to this life's very essence. I pray for fiery fruits of the vine to dispel contemporary inertia. I pray for a flower-strewn levelling, an archetypal need for harmony, spread through this most abundant occasion. It's not a strained transcendence, just a change in the general direction of the wind. The force that flows through root and branch and stem moves me. I can trace its wild strident cries. I can hear in the loins of the earth the roar and launch its radical agenda. I embrace warm, vibrant blood bursting through veins of antiquated ceremonies. Lovers of very different persuasions walk like dreamers in madrigal measure, hungrily towards azure horizons. They turn away from stifling centuries, finally free from the absurd burden. For spring's the season of insurrection, of nature's verdant teeming willfulness. I hear rumblings of the first thunder and anticipate the crisp rush of rain. Lovely. Just lovely. Thank what, you. What a beautiful way of, of uh, treating on spring. Uh, so many so many poets uh, have, have been touched by it. So many have been moved to, to commit some of their heart to the words. But you've done a marvelous job, my friend. Marvelous Thank job. Thank you. Thank you. Um, would you like to share one more? Yeah, I'll share one more. I think I'll write this one about ch uh, read this one about childhood. It's what I wrote recently. Um, try to use a lot of colour in it. It's just called the potent playground of childhood and youth. Uh, it's written in syllabic verse. <clears throat> Yesterday, yellow and brown harvests of glory, the green scent of trees, the dove whiteness of time marked by innocent days. The genesis of the sun in wild lullabies. The starry wonders of night, textures of rainbows. The red and pink explosions of vast inner worlds. The angelic epiphanies of fiery orange. The candy dreams and visions, the flower dawns that seem to last forever. Golden autumn moons and summeries, summer's silvery blue streams of consciousness. The wintry spells woven by fairies and snowflakes. Avenues and parks covered in blossoms of spring. Sweet playgrounds of youth linger in the memory. Now the narrowing of worlds. Now darkened pathways. Now the haunted absences. Now the death of joy. Now frozen metal nightmares. Alas, the future is a chasm unless we can awaken and resurrect the child within. 
Beautiful. Just beautiful, my friend. Very, very, very nice. Thank and you. May I offer you one of my recent ones as well? Oh, yeah, sure. Great. Um, I've had the good fortune uh, to uh, to read in, in assemblages of poets uh, very, very far afield via the the technologies uh, of Zoom and Skype and all that stuff, and uh, yeah. <clears throat> it's been it's been very inspiring to hear so many different voices and in so many different tongues. Uh, and I wrote this uh, kind of inspired by that range of voices. I call it in the poet's flaming name. Hold high that flaming lamp. No critic cold can stamp, can stop up, damn or damp, the sweet heat of truth's undying flame. In our life such strife can frame our flame of truth's eternal name. We feed this flame with our very chiming lives, love with our aching bones alone, as the poet's desk, no rest. Brothers and sisters each, we are the living flame, the life, them that might chase, outrace the fire's hour, they fray and framing stray, and seek to dampen and shatter, scatter our sacred flame's name. These are mere liars. The flame's eternal, when that last burning star is extinguished, and its undistinguished ash collapses, yet our poems, paintings, sculpted love, will inspire the very dust to sing. Some future dynasty to spring in wonder, wander, and repeat. What vision this? What ancient wisdom sent to outlast the past? What sweet echoes strain from each fevered, favored brain? Speak, sing, thou noble poet. What clever metal meet the swinging, singing sweet? O oh, fiery poet, your fevers will outlast the groaning critic's croaking, grainted laugh. <laughs> oh, it's great. I love the ending of it with the groaning critics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think uh, I, I was hearing a poet complain about, you know, critics said this about his work or this critic yeah, said yeah. that about his work. And I, I personally have no truck with critics. You know, let them. Me neither. Me neither. Let them yeah. do what they do, you know. Uh, I, I am a poet infected with rhyme. I, my muse uses rhyme. I, uh, poor fool, I, I just follow wherever she leads. <laughs> the, the critics of my poetry usually say I use archaic language. I don't they say I use too much archaic language, but I think <laughs> it stood the test of time, that, those words, so I don't see why I can't use them. But it's yeah. like a, it just goes over my head now. I'm not bothered. Yep, yep, yep. Either, you know, if you, look, if you're a card-carrying poet, you write what you've got to write, and that's that. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. It's I, funny, Leonard Cohen, Leonard Cohen used a lot of archaic language in a modern context, and he didn't seem to get as much stick. <laughs> well, I'm sure he did until it became fashionable to like his work. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he's a marvelous, uh, marvelous poet, poet and songwriter, yeah. But it's just... Um, why you know why is everything got to be um i don't know fashionable all the time you know oh yeah why just write from the heart you know i don't write for, to be fashionable you know exactly <laughs> i i know when i first started reading publicly 
uh, in the 70s. And, uh, you know, this was the heat of the culture wars and, you know, when it was so desperately important for people to be hip. And a guy yeah. pulled me aside after a, a reading and he said, you know, it's not very fashionable to rhyme these days. Uh, if I were you, I would, I would stop rhyming. And I said, <laughs> you know what? The last time I worried about fashion was probably five lives ago. I don't give a hoot. No. <laughs> and uh, so I I stopped worrying about it pretty pretty early on. My view of it is, Rick, I can appreciate somebody who writes in rhyme, and I can appreciate somebody who writes in three verse, and I just say, like, let a thousand flowers bloom, you know. Uh, My brother, that's wisdom. That is wisdom. Yeah, I really, I really enjoy all forms. I don't really, I don't say one's better than another. I don't, I don't see the point with this dichotomy. It seems. Seems ridiculous. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, my friend, may you long for flourish, and uh, I hope your pen is just filled with joyous ink. Right. Really nice to talk to you again, uh, Rick. Um, all the best. Thank you, my brother. You take care of yourself, okay? Okay. Bye-bye. 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 Well, that was Dominic Windrum of uh, Great Britain. Uh, any thoughts, Misha? Well... I was just, <coughs> sorry. I was just listening uh, among the multitude of images and ideas and metaphors of uh, his texts. I was following um, almost obstinately the religious aspect, the spiritual dimension, and uh, I think it is present. I don't want to say in each word but for sure in each idea inside within within each construction within each metaphor it is very elevate it is very refined it is not that primitive invocation of the divinity but a way of suggesting and um in a very elaborate way, constructing, building the form of a complex intellectual implication of the divinity as a part of our human life. And this is main, maybe the most humanist message his uh, poet, his exceptional poetry transmits. Divinity is a part of mankind. Divinity is the spiritual dimension it's something we contain in ourselves we have been created according to the bible we have been created by a divine divine intervention nevertheless that drop of divinity remained in the human uh, in the conception of the human spirit and therefore, if I am to extrapolate this very strong metaphor by metaphor by Dominic Windrum, we are almost we are almost like a world, like a world of spirituality and of the divinity here under the on the world, here under the earth. A strongly a one on one hand on one hand a strongly message. On the other hand, a strongly humanist message and 
all the other aspects are connected to it. You were mentioning the classical way of writing poems, his preference, he also commented on it, for rhyme, for rhythm. It is, if you want, also a reflex of that spiritual, of that divine um, balance. It is what we actually expect from the divinity to help us with our balance, to help us come back to the balance, to help us believe again. And they look sometimes, they sound sometimes, his poems, a little bit like psalms. Once again, mm-hmm. not those primitive direct psalms like, oh God, please help me, oh God, please do. No, very strong and intellectual and undirect uh, psalms which actually rebuild the, the divine content of uh, the human being with each poem he's uh, writing again. I am deeply impressed. And uh, I think it's a very good idea to uh, have invited him uh, here. Uh, you may know he's also a very good, uh, actually, uh, we, of course we know, he's an excellent organizer, uh, festival, uh, festival uh, poetry festival organizer. Um, he cooperates with uh, poets and with poets organization on, on all the continents and uh, the poet, the intellectual poet in himself, is uh, as strong as uh, the clerical scholar uh, um, that uh, helps him so much with this very special education. Absolutely. He uh, he speaks with such spiritual strength, and and you're right. Uh, without getting theological, he seems to show the respect for the sacred in everything and that's a that's that's real beauty it's right yes you put it in a few words in a very concentrated and uh, strong and strong way thank you rick well next we are going in such a different direction that's Uh, right (laughs) miss trish camp i have heard several times deliver the most thought-provoking, funny verses. Um, what, what Have you heard, Ms. Camp? Well, um, I have to admit that I have heard something uh, by this author before seeing the person. And it was also on a radio, and I was really shocked. On one time, on one hand, such a strong and uh, complex fantasy. On the other hand, such an incredible, but nevertheless artistic aggressivity. Let's say not aggressivity, protest, spirit of protest. And all this combined with this exceptional personal receipt of uh, the performative art, um, an art that. Uh, even if uh, being a if, even if being educated in this field uh, didn't find and didn't wasn't uh, possible to collect anywhere anywhere it is something which uh, was born which uh, it was born with 
it is it has it deep inside uh, inside its um, inside its being. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, let's journey to the voice of Tish Camp. Ladies and gentlemen, I have the great good fortune to bring Tish Camp, poet extraordinaire, a woman of great, vast vision and humor, an eloquent poet. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Trish Camp. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Hi, Rick. <laughs> well, Tish, um, I've had the good fortune to see you in a couple different venues. I was wondering, could you tell me a little bit about how you started writing? When when did you realize you had no choice but to be a poet? I think um, poet, poetry for me began when I was quite young. Uh, um, my love of poetry began quite young, and I'm talking four or five, maybe six years of age, really. And and the memories began when my... This is, again, I, I use... There's some sad things that have happened in my life, but I still use, you know, some light-hearted things. And poetry has got me through many of those things. Sure. And sure. and so the, the, the beginnings of that was when my mum had left home uh-huh. and my sister, my older sister, Jeanette used to read poetry to me from a very big rhyming you know it's like a, a children's rhyming poetry book and um i i can't remember the first poem it was but it was it was wonderful just hearing her read and i think that was a her way of comforting me that mummy had left you know sure uh, so poetry was already a comfort you know in sad times the association of that was then so i think the first poem was um um, I can't. It was about peas and honey. I can't remember. Is that <laughs> what? What is it um, about peas? Um, I find them kind of funny. They only stay on the knife if I have them with honey or something <laughs> like that. And I just and the whole association, the surrealism, I suppose that was my early like visualization of what that actually looked like: peas with honey on a knife, and the whole <laughs> thing about not eating, don't eat with your knife, and all that. And I thought, oh my God! So it's uh, it's different. It's visually weird and surreal, and it's uh, uh, against the the norm, the normative of how you're supposed to eat. You're eating peas with honey on a knife. So <laughs> I think that was a setup of why I was going to be a different kind of poet much later. So yeah, so poetry was was that for me then. Um, so four, five, six, I think. Yeah, six years of age, I, I believe. Um, uh, and uh, that was read, uh, uh, and the book became, you know, a comfort in the evenings and stuff, uh, and bedtime poetry stories and things. And then it then it turned into play on words. So as a large family, family of seven that my dad brought up on his own at this stage, my wow. mum having left. Good for him. Uh, we yeah, he's, he's a great great man, my late father. Um, we we were kind of like the Waltons. But without the little house, you know, and the and, and the and the wood making thing out back, and no grandma with an apron, and no cooking and whatnot. Um, so we were like we're poor, poorer version, if you can get that, of the Waltons. Sure. sure. Um, and we used to sing like again another play on words, uh, a bedtime thing, which was quite unusual, really. It was um, a good night thing to each other. We're uh, six kids in one big room with lots of beds. And all singing this story, this song together, which was um, uh, 
good night. It's like the Wharton saying, good night, Mary Ellen, good night, John Boy, and all that. So, good night, God, good night, Jesus, good night, God, good night, Jesus, good night, Jesus, good night, God. Accept the devil and his mates and all the people Jesus hates. <laughs> <laughs> So the, thing, so the whole thing was like, well, that feels weird. And then, then I use a lot of now. I use. I'm looking at those things then. I use. I like poetry where I I pay reference to religious things as well. I've been, I was brought up Catholic when I was quite young. So there's a like. Although I'm not, you know, I'm practicing anything. Well, I'm sort of C of E now, but not practicing really. So there's a lot of reference to religious things as well. And uh, when once a Catholic, they say always a Catholic or whatever. So there's a lot. Sure, sure. When I remember my mum, my late mum, I do so sometimes jovially with her and sometimes remembering those religious influences and a play on that as well. So, And then in my teenage years, I think, uh, um, again, I put my head into books when I was a child, probably coping with uh, the loss of her, I suppose. Sure. Um, and uh, reading everything that I could in school libraries until I reached the adult library, kind of like this height, looking up at the sure. the adult librarian saying, "Can you can I come into the adult library?" I was only ten or whatever, and it, it was like, "Shh, go on, go in and have a look." And I I read a lot of unusual books, not so much poetry, but it was very much I liked engineering. And uh, this library was right next door to somewhere called Queen Mary's Faculty of, of Science and Engineering in Stepney, where I lived. And that was a place that I really wanted to, to be when I was older. And I think I wanted to be an engineer. I liked everything, Isambard Kingdom, Brunel, bolts and how things and viaducts and aqueducts. And I liked looking at these things, different structures and stuff. Uh, so I read all these things on hydraulic engineering when I was kind of... <laughs> And then and into my teenage years, uh, ventured into, I don't know, I would call it girly poetry. Oh, I love this boy and he doesn't love me. And oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if I could kiss him? That kind of thing. Sure. And I think that's kind of normal. You know, oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, and then much later, um, some more sad things occurred to me in my life. Um, there was a couple of street attacks that I experienced. Oh. And then I, I then went full on into poetry at 19, uh, started writing about, you know, or cathartically releasing those experiences and dealing with them in such a way. And then didn't go back to poetry until, oh, actually, no, at 14, 15, there was, no, 15 I was, there was a young man who was a, he was a bit older than me, but he was an overseas student. Uh, and his name was Demetrius, and he rather liked me, and he said, let's go on a date. And I said, okay, where? You know, and he said, well, we'll go to Hyde Park. And um, we had, he bought a bottle of red wine, and I was like, wow, red wine. And this little thing of boursin, French cheese, some brown rolls, and he read some Plato to me, and he read poetry to me, and I was, like, enamored with not even the words, but just his passion for the poetry and what he felt about it. And I was like, wow, this dude, you know. <laughs> um, so that was an, another, you know, milestone in poetry. Uh, again, when I was 19, I returned to it myself. And then much later, I went straight into doing 
proper job. I had a young child, had a child of a teenage mum. Uh, she's 40 this year, uh, and I'm a grandmother. Uh, proper job for many years, and then doing music. So again, using words for music. So I was a singer, kind of songwriter in bands, doing all kinds of different music and performing in on TV and Glastonbury Music Festival and all across the southwest of England, southeast of England then. Uh, and that was okay. It was like a weekendy thing. Uh, and then, you know, it was all very much, you know, stay in the proper job, must have a proper job and don't do much else. Uh, so this art side of me was always there, but it was like a secondary thing. I have to pay the bills and make sure the roof is over our head and the kids brought up properly and blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Um, Believe me, uh, I understand. <laughs> and then I met my husband in 2007. 2007 uh, and again, I was still doing music and stuff. And we had 10 wonderful years together. Uh, in marriage, uh, 10 years together, five years married, 10 years together. And sadly, um, late 2016, he uh, contracted a it was, uh, he had a seizure and it was then found that he had a brain tumor. And I was his carer for 13 months before he died. At that point, poetry, I was still singing and dealing with the, the, the issues of preemptive grief, it's called. Yeah. Uh, and and yet we still use comedy within that. Absolutely. <laughs> so we Absolutely. would have ch tumor humor, chemo karaoke, <laughs> chemo karaoke. <laughs> we, we we used all kinds of things. Bravo, uh, bravo. <laughs> and then I began after his death uh, in 2017. I I began writing uh, a, a book called Good Grief, Please, a dialogue Excellent. with. A dialogue with death and life. Again, comedy with this in oh, a sad excellent. situation. Bravo, bravo. <laughs> so that was the synopsis is a series of afterlife marital arguments. Ah. <laughs> and my good. husband my husband's negotiations with me to re engage with community. Ah, ah, uh, ah, so ah. it's a kind of sweary like proper arguments that you might have in a marriage. Uh and me processing what it is he's asking of me, and I'm a counsellor, person-centred counsellor, so me processing the five stages of grief and seeing probably how am I faring in that in that journey. Uh, so the arguments would include, well, go on, go out, babe. No, it's been three weeks. Of course, I can't go out yet. And, um, uh, well, you know, me purchasing, what's it, the emergency home care repair service, and him saying, oh, it's a bit of money for that, darling. Well, I'm on my own. Of course, I have to use this service. You're not, you know, of course, I've got to do this new stuff. This is the new me and get with it. So these are probably discussions in my head as if he would have been here talking to me and what his advice would be. Wonderful. Um, Wonderful. So quite unusual. And then that moved immediately into poetry. Now, full on proper, I need to not just write it, the next stage of it was I have to get out and perform it. And it was so urgent. It was so unusual. Uh, I had to perform it. And then uh, people heard me performing this and the book. And I did audio excerpts of the book, sent it to friends in London who sent it to a film director friend who said, oh, my God, this is a one-woman show. You need to do some theatre with this. You need to write Bravo. this. I've got... Um, uh, 
again, Ince's, um, uh, with I Publish You, is encouraging me to write this book, complete it, which is nearly done. It's probably about, you know, uh, I think, what did I count up? It's about 300 pages or, you know, A4 or something already written, but it's, ne it's not come off the computer yet, just excerpts. But the performance stuff became real, and then that became like uh, not just performance poetry, but I had to move, and my background is also theatre, uh, and I thought, I have to move. This has to be performed. So that the stages of that are coming together now. I've done a few rehearsals uh, and had some feedback on that, and um, maybe that will come to fruition sooner rather than later. I hope so. Um, so. But yeah, it sounds and then, marvelous. Uh, and then there was also the next stage of that was setting up a theatre company. I've become a, uh, I was in theatre, went back into do some training uh, to be a forum theatre um, facilitator, and uh, I'm doing that now with a theatre company that I've set up called Rise Up Theatre, uh, which is all forum and participatory. Uh, I like anything engaging and participatory. So yeah. Uh, and the performance is changing, I think. I'm becoming more uh, physical, I think. I mean, we're all stuck in our chairs, aren't we? But the, the performance is becoming just more physical, more closer to the screen, more, uh, more impassioned, I think, or quieter at times. It depends. But I, there's uh, changing in movement, definitely, and I'm allowing it all and loving the global experiences global zoom poetry experiences so well, that is a marvelous <laughs> journey i really appreciate you sharing that with us um myself i i have had uh my share of uh, of heartaches and all and poetry and humor has has helped me uh very much in in my experiences like that my uh when my father passed away uh most of his friends and uh, most of the family, uh, you know, did the typical somber, you know, solemn thing. And I, I'm a different kind of person. So I, I was very yeah. happy. And I believe in celebrating a life rather than mourning a life. So yes, I was yeah. jovial and outgoing and positive. And my, one of my cousins pulled me aside and said, you know, Richard, uh, you know, you don't seem very sad, you know? And I said, well, look, in the reality of things, we all come and go. At any moment, we could go just like that. I believe that when there was a wonderful person, you should celebrate their life. Celebrate yeah. them. And my father was an outgoing, very positive guy, laughing all the time. Uh, he was a Gemini, so it was storms as well as laughter. But yeah, that's me too. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the way you got to be. You, I yeah. believe you have to celebrate. And if, and if for you, if what you want to do is just weep and moan and all that, please feel free. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, we've been here talking for 10 minutes, and I have not yet heard a Tish poem. Let's fix that. Okay, all right. So I'm, I'm going to, I always kind of start with um, poetry, not always, but when I first began, I would always start with poetry, which was a homage to my mother, my father, and my husband. Um, oh, nice. uh, and my, my roots, I'm Trinidadian, Irish, and born in East London. 
Um, so, uh, like in the sound of bow bells, that makes me cockney. So I'm going to give this this first one is called, and there's some serious stuff in here, but it's, it's fairly sure. fairly open and funny. So this is called Cockney Flag. What is it makes me cockney? Where can I wave a flag? Is it out when I'm in London? Or in the chat in some black cab? Is it there in karaoke? Or when I'm watching Only Fools? Or betting on the horses? Or when taking kids to schools? Is it pie mash colour, liquor green, or yellow chip butty roll? In red brick house, two up, two down, with outside loose or cold? It's somewhere in between all that, and it tells a different tune. The Bow Bells born and Roman Road, with market on past noon. It's in Polici's, Charlie Brown's, and a kebab shop on the island. It's in the days of going down a dole and mustard salt beef bygles. It's Jewish shop bread and early morn and skipping out of class. It's adventure playground, Shadwell, Rover, I've the craze and someone getting glassed. It's oi oi, have it, strike a light. You what and where's me bag? It's pound and tuppence, china plate, leave it out and ease the flag. <laughs> it's seven kids, and frutney bit and sheets out on the line. It's silver jubilee platforms, tank tops, afro hair, and NF boys in crime. Reggae scar and lovers rock, slade and tiger feet. Mixed race girl from Stepney Green, a cockney girl complete. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> That's a delight. Good for you. Good I for haven't you. performed that for a long time. Well, <laughs> it was well done, my dear. Well done indeed. Uh, but would you like me to do my next one for my mum and my father? My dear, please. <laughs> okay, this one's called Mammy. My mother talked a simple way. It's clear for kids to see. A slice of bread and butter, say, meant more to her than me. Sometimes when things got really tough, when three-day weeks were rife, the superstitious things were said to hone a lucky life. Don't pop balloons, bags of crisps, your father will lose his job. Spill a cup of tea on this, your father will lose his job. No kissing on the stairs at night, no washing lights with darks, no fighting with the Protestants or playing in the park. Don't dress up good on Wednesdays. Don't eat with just your fork. Don't play that hopscotch game down here, because Dad will have no work. <laughs> Don't pick my ear and matchsticks hard, because Dad won't work today. Sit your second arse down here till the priest has gone away. <laughs> no making up some ballyhoo. Leave neighbours well alone. Pray to Jesus, Mary Webb, get off that second phone. <laughs> Jump up and down and you'll get this. Keep paint and shoes the best. Don't wear to church because the boys can see right up your dress. <laughs> Sit down, shut up your father's home. He's worked so very hard. I'll make him something nourishing. Now get the second lard. <laughs> and other superstitious things you know I have to tell. I make a second racket now, and I'm unemployed as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's marvelous. <laughs> so that's a bit of comedy, but it shows the realness of 
the three-day week when we're all living in the 1970s in power cuts and jobs were cut down to three-day weeks. Uh, father being uh, head of a household with seven mouths to feed, or eight or nine, and everyone feeling scared about losing a job. Sure. So I still use comedy in that seriousness, but it's a funny, it's a memory of my mum and the stress of a woman who wants to keep kids quiet because dad's got to go to work. <laughs> Absolutely. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. So I'll do this other one now, which is for my father, um, and this is called Trini Gyal Song. This from, he's from Trinidad. I said Trini Gyal, but me London born, second generation from divided nation. Some they like, others scorn. But when we up and dance, it's like all history in these hips. All wind up in waste, me reggae lips. Speak words of silent mastery. Of people windrush, slaver free. Of cook up, slam down, domino song. Me color skin and coconut water. I am Trini Father's fix-up daughter. I am rice and peas and chicken stew. Tell me what you like, bun and cheese. Chickpea doubles, pepper slice. And liming in the pot till night. And bring that back to London town. Make fry bakes and wash that down. With father words of make the best. You can in country techno less. Keep bringing in my daughter here. Him speak after he gone. His Trini boy come to England song. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So those, <laughs> those are homage with, and dealing with death and loss, but homage to those family members that I've, I've lost, and with um, humour as well. So I, I kind of see the 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 veering towards that and and it becomes i think sometimes more accessible for people to receive such sadness in our lives you know when humor is used so i agree i agree with with you and you use humor in yours oh all the time may i share one of mine with you yes please yes. okay okay <laughs> there was a it was an interesting situation here in the states uh, where a few years ago, um, a, a young woman uh, who'd had, a, 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 I think it was a stroke, and uh, she lost her mental faculties and mm -hmm. was in a vegetated state. And unfortunately, I mean, as, as sad as that is, and it's always sad when that sort of thing happens, um, it became a political issue. And, mm -hmm. and the people... The, the the fake Christians, and I, I have to just call them that, who, who care when it suits them and who don't give a hoot about people, the poor, yeah. the, you know, the unemployed, they, they don't care about that. But every once in a while they care about a fetus or they care, you know, you know that, yeah. stuff, right? So having heard this argument over and over and over and over, I, I decided to write this. It's called For Terry. Because the, the political argument was her husband and part of his family wanted to let her go. Okay, She yeah. was brain dead. She was brain dead for years. Yeah. But again, the political people, oh, let's preserve life, right? So I wrote this. It's called For Terry. If I cough, 
shut me off. If I bleed, sign the deed. If I blink, don't even think. If I groan, send me home. If I choke, cut the rope. If I faint, I'm a saint. If, if I snore, shut the door. Heart attack, send me back. If I burp, time for turf. If I itch, dig the ditch. If I scratch, throw the latch. If I sniff, what's the diff? Can't hardly rigor, hire a digger. Getting worse, hire the hearse. No longer brave, just dig a grave. <laughs> ah, begin to doubt, send me out. Can't hardly whisper, read the vespers. Can't seem to hear, pour the beer. Can't budge or burgeon, call the surgeon. Can't lose no weight, just cremate. Can't stop the worry, don't wait, just bury. I seem in the way, just throw me away. I take up space, then it's time for grace. Don't wait, don't pause, don't read the third clause. Just pull the plug, shake the rug, yank the tube, it's not even rude. Pull the plug, don't be a slug, the game's all done. You can use a gun. <laughs> I love that line. I love that line. Can't lose the weight, just cremate. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a really, really, really amazing poem, really. Thank and you. the humour in it reminds me of my husband. He was very humorous, and, and we dealt with his death and dying in an extremely sad, humorous, sad and humorous way. And uh, he, he would have loved that because that was his attitude towards the end about his own life you know he was very much like you know let's let's just do the comedy let's do what we're doing there was a mo there was a point when i was singing karaoke songs which were my goodbye laments to him so i'm singing whitney houston i will always love you i'm doing it on video because i want to look back at that time he's in the background doing comedy movements <laughs> <laughs> And I thought, okay, so that's where you're at, and I've got to be where you're at, so let's switch this up. And we did, and we began, uh, there was a lot of um, me asking for prayers and support and whatnot online, and I was singing, say, say a little prayer for you. He's making a joke out of that, he's doing his comedy stuff, and you know, please do the prayer. And I'm like, this, I'm trying to do a real song here, and he's like, no, let's do this. <laughs> and then anything to do with these love laments of my loss, preemptive loss he would make a joke with you know and in the end we we did jokes and i said uh so dave i i see you um you know you when you've passed you're on a cloud he is a he was a blues musician as well i said playing your guitar with bb king that's what i see and then i see you clocking Jimi hendrix going i'll be with you soon mate i said so that's what i see for you he said yeah that'd be really cool i said and then when it's my time I see me coming into the foyer of this waiting area where the big pearly gates are and there's a woman on reception, she's on a big podium with one white laptop on a white podium <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there and there's a big circle of other women sitting around and I come up and I say, hi, uh, yes, it's um, Tish for David Camp and she goes, uh, sorry, it's not here. I said, no, no, it must, it must be here, it must be here. She goes back on the computer. No, uh, oh, actually, I think he's still in the meeting. <laughs> I said, and you've already messaged her. No, no, I'm still chilling with B.B. King. And then all these other wives are sitting on this, the, the waiting area saying, and I'm saying, how long have you been here? 
three years, he still won't receive me. <laughs> All these men are just chilling out, having their, you know, happy time in heaven on their own without the wife. <laughs> Very nice. Very so, nice. So, yeah, so we don't, we, we use comedy, even with dealing with his death, his, his looming death, you know. And, uh, sure. Uh, I think even the last part, there was a dream I had of my mum uh, in the hospice now, and uh, there was nurses tending him. And I woke up from this dream because in the dream, all I could see was this uh, pair of platform shoes. And then as I come up her legs, I see a pair of hot pants. And I thought, wow, what's that? Who's that? And then, you know, I see a handbag and a pair of big earrings. I said, mum, wow. And she was very comedy, very, very comedy. I said, oh, it's you. So you're you're here to receive Dave. Fantastic. I woke up from the dream and... Um, and what was it? There was, she also had a G-string on. I could see as she was bending down. I said, what the, why are you wearing a G-string? She said, well, you haven't got it. If you got it, flaunt it. <laughs> <laughs> and I woke up from this dream seeing these nurses sending my husband, and I, as if I was still with him, as I would in marriage, babe, babe, I had this really funny dream. Guess what? And they were teetering and laughing and trying not to because they're doing this very serious job and they looked at me like it was a bit crazy and I thought, no, he would love to hear this dream. He would love to hear this, you know. Um, and that was funny. That was a funny moment for his passing, you know, that that, that happened and I get to see my mum in a dream and share that with him and, yeah. Yeah, we're, um, and comedy is used in those ways, you know, and I'm I'm really grateful for it. Well, so I've got some really good stand-up, sit-down, comedy, chemo, karaoke uh, <laughs> stuff that I've recorded on my Facebook page. Check it out, Rick. Rick. I will. Check I it will. out. They're very, very funny. Ad-lib, very funny. <laughs> well, listen, this has even been more marvelous than I even imagined. <laughs> but I want to ask you, would you do one more, a more recent poem? Yes, yeah. Okay. Thank you, Tish. This has been so marvelous. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, this this one will be. This is one of my most recent, and it's this is not, doesn't have comedy in, uh, but this okay. also deals deals with um, death. This is for my late sister, uh, Jeanette, and this is called Nubian Queen. You begin in the title of a book, Protector and Black Panther. You roam across wastelands of elephant and castle, defied monsters there and beat down doors. You were natural, fierce even with freckles, and had philosophy spill like petals from your lips. Your books, jewels, knowledge of kings, beset in the crown of a Nubian queen. Othello is your Moorish moor. On your sunken velvet horsehair chair, leg skin, leg skin preened and oil, shining stage lights on each, every hair sat firmly like your seat in pause. My pride at your mouth open, eyes widen at pupils call, absorbing his hands, neck drama, Desdemona death, and tears in mine at hers and yours. The rope, imagined scarf upon your neck, a story lie of flight in winds, the stage, the act, the scene, black skin, freckle count on face, I recant the desert sand through fingers of disbelief.
into time returned of love for a Nubian queen, Black Panther, sister, sleep. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you so very much. Bless you. We, we got to hear the story of Tish. We got to hear the funny of Tish and the, the sad heart of it. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much, Rick. I really appreciate this and uh, can't wait to hear more from Poets of the East. Okay. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Okay. Bye-bye, my dear. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, Misha, the amazing Tish Camp, what what an amazing, funny, deeply felt poet. Wow. You know, it is just as you put it, the ideal combination between performance, poetry, no, starting with poetry, first poetry, between poetry, performance, theatrical element, acting element, and narration. And... Uh, of course, a certain drastic mimics of the body, of the face, that must accompany this kind of performance and complete it, fulfill it in a certain way, especially when the author wants to suggest something more than he or she is able or wanting to just say that very moment. You know, I mean, it's I don't want it to sound to sound like a banality, but a performer, it's uh, more complete and uh, a different kind of author than a poet. The poet has his her complexity, his her uh, profundity, metaphors. All must be there and paper on the um, on the screen of the laptop all should be read and understood that very moment when the reader is the the receiver of the work of art is reading this there is no possibility to fulfill something there are only the eyes the brain and the soul to decrypt the respective poetical text. It takes more, sometimes much more, to decrypt a performative text. And I was actually, while, while hearing her, I was thinking whether I would understand or not the multitude of information and senses she wants to transmit if I didn't know those texts before. Because the visual element, the acting element, the plastic element, if you want, are very important in, uh, um, in this case. Actually, this uh, is something having to do with the majority, actually with all performers. Remember Tomasz Nika four, uh, four weeks ago, uh, actually, a performer, yes, was great, and a performer that felt that it that he was actually restraining himself very in a very difficult way in order 
not to offer that all that energy and ideas and intellectual complexity, ecompre humor, sometimes black humor, he had in himself. I feel they are a little bit, let's say, I mean, uh, Trish and uh, Tomas, their styles are quite, I don't want to say alike, but there are some, uh, some similar aspects. And uh, I was very surprised to find this out uh, today, uh, to find this out uh, tonight. You know, by the way, this reminds me, there is, uh, there used to be actually a strong movement in Romania, even before the fall of communism, actually, after a couple of years, they crushed it, they eliminated it because it started to be true, too critical to the address of the authorities. It was called the poetry theater. Actually, each author, each poet was invited to read or to recite one's poetry on the stage. And at once, the respective author found out that being the author is not any more enough for reading your, for reading your own works because there are some ingredients there. You are not alone, public audience before you. You are on a stage, usually before you it's a microphone. You have to start and to learn to draw your voice, to manage your, the inflections of it. In short, the poesy, poetry theater, the, um, the performing poetry, and the so-called minimalistic or the, the so-called um, um, so performance uh, for itself need really much more than the literary talent of the author and in the same time without it it doesn't work so really by inviting Trish here you determined I think you triggered a very strong complex of thinking about, of judging, of analyzing in the mind of uh, each poet that uh, uh, which uh, heard this uh, or is going to hear this, uh, this episode. Once again, uh, a very good choice, uh, a, very, uh, a very impressive author, Trish uh, uh, Camp. Well, yes, you know, Misha, we've had a wonderful uh, experience preparing for next week's show. And uh, I want to know if you, you think we ought to let the audience in on who's going to be appearing next week? Well, I think the next week's trans uh, webcast will be really um, an event. I won't say too much, only the names of the of our guests, Sue Wallace from England, Peter Schrager from Romania, and Andrzej Matzel from the Czech Republic. And uh, well, performative element won't be absent. That's all. We won't, we won't do any other. <laughs> Very good, sir. Very good so indeed. So around. <laughs> <laughs> My friend, thank you so very much for all your thoughtful reflections on the poetry we've heard today and the poets. 
you're a generous man, my friend, and it's an honor to have you with me here. This show could not exist without you. I thank you, Misha Danduta. You are a world poet of the first class. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm flushing all around. If I were on the television, I would be red, and the screen of the television would be red, too. <laughs> thank you, Rick. You are the general one. Thank, thank you very much. It's very kind of you, and it makes me a real pleasure, and uh, I feel privileged. I feel honored to cooperate to this uh, to this uh, wonderful series. Um, and, uh, oh, yes, I, I still have in my, in my mind and in my soul this performative uh, these performative uh, principles. Oh, yeah, it, I think it, it's going to be great. It, it will be great. Next week, it will be great. Today, it was great. Ne- last week, it was great. Next week, it will, be, it, will be all, it will be also great. And really, no more prop- propaganda, no more promotion for the next, from the next episode. Okay. Well, I'm going to play a little bit of out music, uh, which might just be familiar to you. Here we go. Just a oh, little taste a surprise, of Rick Deer. I think <laughs> this is the most famous Czech song at all. Škodalaski. Škodalaski. <laughs> that means the sin of love. Sin of loving you. Škodalaski, kterou jsem ti věnoval. The love, or the, the, the sin of love I gave to you. Oh, really? You, you, wanted to, uh, you wanted to wake up in me also some sentimental memories, not only the performative ones. I understand your your strategy. You have a wonderful evening, my friend. Same there. Same there. Thank you very much. A wonderful evening and uh, and all the best. We'll talk to you next week then. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining us. Have a good night. Have a good day. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.